It's time for the Crunch Time Plays podcast, where we talk all things sports from the collegiate level all the way up to the pros. And now, here's your host, Bennett Ganey. Hey, what's up? This is Danny Wexelman. Hey, everyone. I'm Steffi Smalls. What's up, everyone? It's Ben Lindsay. This is Andrea Carter. Hey there, it's Brooks Austin. And you are watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to Crunch Time Plays today. Whether you're watching us on YouTube, listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, thanks so much. Make sure you hit that subscribe button while you're here. And we got Dalton Freeman today, another great guest, talking about South Carolina football preview of the season. He's from Fifth Quarter, founder of Fifth Quarter South Carolina, Fifth Quarter SEC, all those pay, all those social media pages over there. And and Dalton, it's an honor to have you today, brother. What's going on? Good man, thank you for having me. Uh, gonna be a good time. Definitely. It's a pleasure having you. And, and just, you know, when we're talking about a South Carolina this, this season to start off with, you can't, can't help, but, but talk about uh, Shane Beamer's SEC media days uh, performance, just the, the positivity and the, the synergy surrounding that program uh, at this time, especially with the, with the recruiting success uh, from the month of June that really started in May with, with flipping Donovan Westmoreland from Georgia. And then the, the momentum just kind of just kind of went from from June into July and have have twelve commitments now and and just kind of what were your uh, thoughts on, on just what Shane Beamer said at, at SEC Media Days? Couple things that that stuck out to you. Obviously, uh, he said we want the premier uh, tight ends in the country to, to come play for South Carolina. Obviously, a, a little a shout out to Oscar Delt there. Really, a, a recruiting pitch to not only the not only recruits but to fans and the media as well about the future of the program. So, what were there any couple of things that, that he said uh, or that he has said since he's gotten hired that's really stood out to you? I'll tell you what, man. Shane Beamer has surprised me a lot. He is a ball of energy, and every time he steps to the podium, man, he he lights up the room. And you got to have that in head coach. It felt like not knocking Muschamp at all, but felt like Muschamp was just like a whatever kind of guy. And he felt like he was the smartest guy in the room a lot of the times. But Beamer, man, he's, he's full of energy. And he, every time he spoke, I've been ready to run through a brick wall for the guy. So, I mean, the media day, he went, it was just like anything else, a recruiting pitch, like you said. He went straight at his main target, Dip. Said, we want you. You're going to be, if you come here, you're going to get utilized. And there, there's nothing else you could really want out of a head coach, but uh, always be thinking about recruiting and always be thinking a step ahead about who, who you want on your team to make this team better. Yeah, that's definitely true. And, and Marcus Satterfield uh, putting out uh, that tweet with all those all those footballs and then and, and, uh, number 60 on there. And, and Eric Camry certainly uh, got out all the stops. Uh, having Jerry Cook and Hayden Hurst back on campus for for Oscar Delt's visit. So even even if they don't uh, get Delt, you know, I tend to believe that for, just from from talking to different people that he seems to be uh, leaning Georgia's way right now. But even if they even if even if he does end up committing to Georgia, it certainly won't be from from lack of trying from the from the staff's part. So they're they're really getting after it on the recruiting trail. Definitely uh, more you know, definitely a lot better than I think a lot of fans really thought. Oh, yeah, for sure. They are – you spoke on it the month of June. He got after it, man. And I, I myself was even shocked uh, seeing that that much, that much out of recruiting and that many commitments in the month of June. And I think they'll all be solid. I think they'll all be guys that come in right away and play a good amount of time, especially all these DBs that we've been bringing in. 
Uh, the only thing we need to uh, get on is the wide receivers, I believe. We can get Antonio Williams and guys like that in here. I think we'll turn this thing around pretty quickly. Yeah, certainly. And then wide receivers definitely, I don't think will be a, a really a premier focus uh, the, on the, of the offense uh, this year with Marcus Satterfield. Definitely going to be a, a more running back, uh, tight end uh, based approach like it kind of was last year uh, under Mike Bobo. But but just looking at, at kind of at expectations for this team before we really dive into to offense and defense. I mean, I don't know if you know, it's it's really a, a variety of expectations. I know South Carolina was picked uh, six by the by the media at SEC Media Days uh, in the East uh, behind behind Tennessee. Uh, you know, a lot of people are looking at that game, saying that, you know you go to Knoxville this year. So Tennessee definitely, you know, in terms of of what everybody is thinking, definitely has uh, the advantage there. But just in terms of of expectations, you know, are you? You know, you kind of you looking at the looking at the schedule. You know, you're kind of thinking that that you're you got to start off, you know, at least five and two, six and one uh, to really have a chance to. You know, if you start out six and one, you're obviously going to a bowl game then. But if you start out five and two, got to win one of those last five games, which are which is a daunting task with A and M and Florida, Missouri, Auburn, and Clemson. So what? You know, when you're talking about expectations, you know, I don't know if, you know, what's more important, do you think, you know, getting, if you get to a bowl game and, but in your losses, you're ultimately getting blown out, not being competitive, or, you know, you're, you're five and seven, you know, don't get to a bowl game, but every member of the roster has gotten better. Every position group's gotten better, leaning into 2022, what what do you think from a, a fan's perspective you're liable to take uh, from either of those two type seasons? I think, I mean, if you make a bowl, I mean, that, that's honestly my expectation here is or I'm very optimistic about it. You got to you gotta start by getting, getting to a bowl game. And if we can do that year one with Beamer, uh, this, the momentum will be huge in recruiting, especially with the class we got coming in, in state in 2023. Um, as far as just barely missing it or whatever. Uh, I don't see that as a huge deal as long as there's a show of improvement in some some sort. And I I, I don't see any way we could be worse than last year. Uh, we, injuries were a big part of last year and really the past two seasons. Um, I want to see myself, I want to see the defense get better. It felt at times that the defense was just a huge liability for us. And uh, I mean – like you said, we're not going to see much out of offense this year. I mean, probably going to be a lot of running back and two tight end sets and stuff. Uh, but, I mean, just show improvement, man. That's all recruits want to see. I mean, I look at it like North Carolina a couple of years ago, Mac Brown, his first season. I mean, they didn't – they weren't world beaters. They, they went six and six and hung in there with Clemson, almost knocked them off. And you see where they're at now, all the momentum in the world in recruiting. Yeah, that's definitely true. They they pretty much you know locked down the entire state of uh, of North Carolina. To even even teams uh, like Clemson that are trying to go in there and and get players. It seems like Mac Brown and that staff have definitely uh, put a fence around uh, that state. Not only with their success on the field, but but in in recruiting as well, being able to to attract all the the top talent. You know, and it really uh, brings in you know kind of the importance of when you're talking about building rosters going forward you know 
Carolina's going out to Texas for a couple players using Justin Stepp's connections out there. They've got some Northeast guys uh, with Pete Limbo now, really a, a you know, you think back uh, in the history, I think probably G.A. Mangus was the last time really hit up in the Pennsylvania area. You know, I've never heard coaches really put an emphasis in recent history, really put an emphasis on uh, the Northeast, especially, you know, talking about selling recruits on hey we are the we're the you know the northernmost uh, sec school when it when it comes down to, to coming down down the coast so we're the closest sec school to you if you want to play in the sec and nearly a lot of our student body comes uh, from the northeast you know looking at new jersey new york pennsylvania connecticut area there's a lot of students in south carolina from that us uh, from that uh region of the country so definitely you know when you're talking about not being able to go up to north carolina for some of these guys definitely being able to fill uh your needs especially getting a couple players from texas and and a few players from the northeast is definitely a big deal for this staff oh for sure for sure uh that's one thing i think must champ focused a little too hard on was north carolina and we it seemed like we had a lot of guys in north carolina that we swung and miss on and like we ended up letting other guys from other states get away from us. And uh, I, I like the way Beamer's approaching this. And Limbo, Limbo's a sneaky good hire, man. He every every recruiting battle he's been in so far, he's won. It seems like so going up northeast. There's some ballers in, in northeast, and there's some ballers in Texas. We all know that. And there's some great DBs in Florida that Tor Torian Gray is picking up guys that I thought. T Rob would be doing this when he was here. This is what this is what I thought T Rob would be doing is what Torin Gray is doing now. And I, I'm impressed. I really am. I'm impressed with the whole staff top to bottom. Uh they're using their connections wisely and they're recruiting really well and we ain't even played a game yet. Yeah, they're they're, def they're definitely a, a staff that that's hungry to to prove themselves and that's definitely showing uh, on the recruiting trail and definitely something that we're going to be watching out for uh, on the field this season. Just kind of looking uh, offensively, obviously Luke Doty is the, the starter heading in uh, to camp as we uh, head towards that. And and Kevin Harris, I did want to ask you about where do you think Kevin Harris ranks in terms of, of SEC running backs? Now, there's a lot of – so many great SEC running backs with – with Tank Bigsby, Isaiah Spiller, Chris Rodriguez at Kentucky, got Zamir White at Georgia, different guys like that. But is is Kevin Harris the best running back in the SEC, or would you put maybe Tank Bigsby or somebody like that just a little bit ahead? I'll I put it this way. I think South Carolina has – this may be a hot take or whatever, but I think South Carolina has two of the top five running backs in the SEC, and you're going to see that with Mar Marshawn Lloyd this year. He's going to get a little burn. And you're going to be like, Kevin Harris is good, but Marshawn Lloyd is up there with him. So, But as of now, like I said, I, I think Kevin Harris is the top running back in the SEC. I understand the, the promise and Tanks Bigsby and Isaiah Spiller out there at A&M and stuff. But I, I, it's, hard, it's hard to look at Kevin Harris and the way he did last season and just like completely ignore it and put him fourth or fifth or whatever in the SEC. I, I think he's the top guy right now. Yeah, that's definitely true. You know, I personally, I'd, I'd probably put, you know, Tank Bigsby ahead, but that's only because, you know, of the of the success that I think he's going to have uh, this year, kind of projecting ahead a little bit uh, with Mike Bobo. I mean, we kind of saw 
uh, glimpses of what uh, Mike Bobo can do with this type of personnel uh, at South Carolina last year and, and him going to Auburn. I equate Auburn and South Carolina to really, you know, the same, you know, the same questions that are available at Auburn are also available uh, at South Carolina. You have a quarterback that's returning, you have an offensive line that that can get better, especially in the in the scheme. You have a, a great uh, stable of running backs, but the question is who you throwing the ball to for for both teams. And so, really, when you look at at Bigsby and Harris, I think they're they're both going to have uh, really solid years, and Marshawn Lloyd as well. Yeah, for sure, without a doubt. Yeah, and you know, kind of looking at at the res- at the receiver room, I know we're. You know, we're kind of sitting here kind of talking about what the receiver room maybe looked like for South Carolina in fall camp. Of course, you add E.J. Jenkins, you add a Marion Brown, you add some guys from the transfer portal, you got some guys coming back, Darian Kendrick, Josh Van, the Rico Powers, those guys. Just kind of looking at, at the wide receiver room. Ultimately, who do you think really steps up uh, in fall camp and can possibly lead this room. You know, we look at uh, DeCarian Joyner. He's, you know, a guy that is coming back, player and receiver. But also, you know, we kind of looked at the at the depth chart, you know, when they released it a few days ago, that E.J. Jenkins was a wide receiver. Definitely think you're going to see a lot of a lot of 12 personnel, a lot of 22 personnel, even with two backs and two tight ends, and then E.J. Jenkins uh, working the outside, especially in the red zone. But, but who are the couple of – receivers that maybe need to look out for uh, for South Carolina from your perspective uh, heading into the fall camp and heading into the season? Well, obviously, I think uh, everybody knows the carry on joiner. I think it's going to take a major step forward. Uh, Jalen Brooks is a burner. I'd, I'd like to see some things out of him this season. Um, I think, like I said, I, I think we see a lot of two tight end sets. You got Muse Bell and you have EJ at wide receiver out there. I think EJ is going to have a monster year for us. Uh, a Marion Brown should should get a lot of burn as well. And I, I'm looking at a couple of these younger guys, Rico Powers and Jakari Caldwell, maybe step in and uh, make a difference this year. Who knows? I mean, Stets, he develops well. So I trust in him, and uh, we'll see if he can get a couple of these guys on the right track. Yeah, that's definitely true. Justin Steps obviously got a got a tremendous track record for, for developing wide receivers uh, everywhere he's been, whether it be at Arkansas as last stop or, or anywhere uh, that he's been. But kind of switching over uh, to the defensive side of the ball, obviously just been decimated uh, with injuries the past couple of years over the last couple of years of the Will Muschamp era. But, but the defensive line, you know, is one of probably the top 10 or 15 uh, in the country, probably definitely – uh, top 15, maybe you could make an argument uh, for the top 10, you know, with with Birch, got Pickens, you got Sandage, got those guys. Tonka Hemingway's probably going to play defensive tackle this year, did a great job at defensive end uh, last year. And uh, J.J. Inogbury, I think now is how we're pronouncing uh, his last name, but, that Shane Beamer uh, said at SEC Media Days. But it, where where would you kind of rank uh, the this defensive line group? Personally, it's it's definitely the strength of the team, and if you can get after the passer, both lines of scrimmage for South Carolina are going to be strengths of the team this year. But especially the defensive line, if you can get after the passer, kind of stuff the run a little bit, it's definitely going to help uh, some of those personnel issues that you're going to deal with uh, in the back end. 
yeah, uh, D-line is definitely our, our deepest group on the team. We got so much talent on the D-line and, and so much uh, uh, so much power. We got power on the inside and guys that can get off the edge. Uh, J.J. is going to have a monster year, I believe. He's projected in a lot of next year's NFL mock drafts as uh, top 10, top 15 guy. Um, so I, I expect him to have a great year. I like Jordan Strahan, too, a lot. Out of, he transferred in from Georgia State. Uh, he's going to get off the edge and help a lot, too. Uh, Jabari Ellis and Pickens in the middle is going to be ginormous, uh, immovable objects for us. We just we just got to learn. A lot of times last year uh, we got there, we just never sealed the deal, never got sacked, quarterback takeoff running. You got to be able to seal the deal and, and make the tackle. And I think that's where we're going to see the difference this year, what uh, Jimmy Lindsay has been teaching these guys. Yeah, that's definitely true. And and, and getting uh, Karan Prunty winning that uh, recruiting battle, freshman All-American uh, out at Kansas, definitely is going to help uh, in the in the defensive back room, uh, definitely give uh, a little bit more depth and a guy that's probably going to step on the field and, and start right away alongside uh, Cam Smith at corner. But, but kind of looking – uh, at the back end of the defense real quick before we kind of move into the last couple of things that I have for you. But what do you expect? What's a reasonable, you know, expectation for this uh, defensive back group this year? Obviously, Adam Prunty w- was huge. Cam Smith's obviously there going to be uh, rounding out that other corner spot. But in, in terms of safeties, that's where Carolina's really, really struggled over the past couple years trying to – to me, you know, trying to to recruit a corner, T. Robin Muschamp trying to recruit corners and playing them as safeties, really never got uh, any true safeties on the field, being really able to play that position well. I think it's definitely sensing a lot of difference uh, with this staff and Tory and Gray definitely with that. But who are a couple of the guys uh, in the back end that you're really watching out for uh, outside of those couple that they're really probably primed to make a, a impact this season? Well, I mean, the secondary is extremely young. We all know that. Uh, There's going to be a lot of liabilities, I believe, growing pains with this group um, beyond the starters. Um, I don't know. I'd I, I like to see Jalen Dickerson finally get healthy and, and make an impact. Uh, I think he, he's a, capable of doing that. Uh, some of the young, younger guy. I, I like Dial, Marcellus Dial. I like him. I also like um, – uh, Dominique Hill, he, he's got a lot of speed on him too. Uh, but as far as I think safety's still going to be one of them positions this year that we have to, we got a lot of head scratches going to happen. But I think they'll work it and they'll develop it good enough. Torin Gray will to uh, be, competi- be competitive and uh, stay in a lot of these games. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. And obviously, if you can get uh helping the in the front seven being able to get after the passer like we we're kind of talking about earlier that's definitely gonna kind of mask uh, some of those issues that you're gonna have in the back end against a lot of these teams and it can really make a difference uh, for you definitely have to lean on both lines of scrimmage on the offensive line and defensive line this season and the run game or or the early screen game anything like that uh, offensively but the la- last thing that i have for you dalton we're here with Dalton Freeman from fifth quarter. It's been a great conversation so far, but I did want to ask you about the biggest swing games in this season. You know, to me, when I look at it, you know, you can't let, you know, if you – obviously, South Carolina is 
want to say five and five in the last 10 appearances uh, against Georgia, but you go into Athens there in week three. But if you do, if you do, we all know, we all expect Georgia to have a monster year, maybe even win the SEC and the, and the national championship. But if you do, you know, take a couple of stumbles uh, there in Athens, you just can't, to me, Kentucky is the biggest swing game because you can't let Georgia beat you twice. You can't, come off of that game and then kind of limp into the Kentucky game because, you know, Mark Stoops and, and that program's had a lot of success uh, over the past few years. Definitely a team to, to watch out for in the East. So what would you say is the is the biggest swing game? Is Or is there a couple, maybe Kentucky or Tennessee? Just because when I, you know, when I look at it, I just think it's Kentucky. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously Kentucky's had our number here lately uh, in the Muschamp era and even a little bit before that with Spurrier. Uh, but I, I'm with you. I think the biggest swing game is Kentucky. It's going to be a big recruiting weekend for us. Number one, number two, we got to get that monkey off our back and prove that we can that we're better than Kentucky and we can beat them. And other other games, swing games that could possibly be, I think Missouri maybe and Tennessee. I I don't see. I can't see us losing to Tennessee with all the question marks they have and all the players that they lost. You can't. To me, if you're trying to build something at like Beamer's trying to, I think Tennessee's a must win for us this year. And uh, it will play a big part in us probably making a bowl game if we win or lose that one. Yeah, that that's definitely true. And and you know, personally if I if I had to to protect today, obviously we don't know uh, what either of these programs are gonna look like. Uh, on the field, but by by October 9th, I think we're going to have a a pretty good sense of what these two teams look like. And and if you were to you know if you were to ask me today, even though that game's on the road, I definitely you know pick South Carolina uh, in that one. But but man, thanks so much for for coming on today. I know we you know we're getting towards the season. Obviously, getting really excited. I know everybody's going to be one of want to follow you and, and what you're doing. So, so let everybody know where they can find uh, all the accounts on so at social media, where, the, where they can find your, your content and, and just really appreciate you uh, taking some time today, brother. I hope we can do it again real soon. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Uh, follow me at F quarter or FQ Freeman and FQ South Carolina on Twitter. Awesome. Well, hope you stay safe and well, man. We'll look forward to catching up with you here real soon. All right, buddy. And shout out to everybody for watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays today. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. It's been another edition of Crunch Time Plays talking South Carolina. God bless everybody.